here we go. Welcome to the Nine Rap Fantasy Football Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back in to the Nine Route Fantasy Football Podcast. Pat and Scott giving you all the knowledge you need to take your fantasy team deep, uh, hopefully deep in the playoffs into a, a fantasy football title. Uh, we're getting back on the horse here. A little bit of uh, some time off, well-deserved, and and also because of work, which, which is legit for both of us. So we're going to circle back around and touch base on a lot of you who are now drafting like crazy, just like we are in Dynasty Leagues and and all the like. We had an NFL draft previously. We talked about, you know, we had a first-round mock draft. I believe I, I won that little test of wills, but we're not going to talk about that at all. We're um, not going to ever bring that up again. No, no, not until <laughs> not until, not until until the last Bud Light is finished on your time. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you, sir. But no, at, at the end of the day, um, quick uh, quick shout out uh, to a friend uh, of the show uh, and and a family member, Will Wareham. Uh, you're coaching my alma mater now. Uh, <laughs> listen, buddy, do me proud. All right, you're no Fran St. John, but you are Will Wareham. Love you, man, and I wish you all the best. So um, you know, hopefully, you listen to us. Maybe you don't. I get it. You're busy. You're you got like you know thirty kids and a job now that is legit. Uh, at Wildwood Catholic High School. So again, love you. Wish you nothing but the best, and and I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on the uh, Atlantic City Press and and hating on Brian Kniff for hating on you. All right. <laughs> yes, congratulations. Uh, I know that uh, I know that Will has been wanting to to get back and, and coach down in South Jersey, and um, I'm very happy that he's getting the opportunity to do that. He deserves it. He's been putting in the time, and uh, he's a great coach. So. Uh, congratulations, buddy. Yeah, man. Start Starting there, we'll see you on the Sixers maybe in like four or five years. <laughs> Somebody needs to turn them around. <sighs> that's that's a whole other show that has nothing to do with fantasy football or even fantasy basketball. So. Yeah, I, should, I probably shouldn't get you started on that, huh? Oh, don't go there, no. Um, but we will go uh, where you've been. Um, I've been crazy busy with work, so have you. And you just came back from what sounds like fun, but also hell. Uh, it was nice. It was it was long hours, but uh, yes, my uh, my wife and I and and some friends from the National Guard worked the Barefoot Country Music Festival down in Wildwood, New Jersey, this past weekend, and uh, it was. I'm not a country music fan per se, but uh, the 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 festival itself and and you know the work was was nice. We got to uh, hang out backstage, uh, met some of the the artists. I even got a a drumstick, a, a stage-used drumstick from uh, Walker Hayes, who, uh, again, I just found out who the guy was. I'm, I'm, I'm not a country music fan. But, <laughs> but uh, you're in the National Guard. Just I like Walker okay. Hayes now. <laughs> so, I mean, I I'm going to start downloading some more of his music. But, no, I mean, uh, everybody was great. Shout out to my supervisor, Kevin. Um, he will probably also not hear this, but uh, if he ever does, uh, I wanted to say thank thank you for for making the uh, the 64 hours that we pulled in four days uh, as pleasurable as possible, and uh, for for kind of taking us under your wing and uh, you know keeping us backstage with you and and you know we're hoping we're hoping to go back and do it again next year and uh, you know have some more fun. But it was a good time, 
and a, a really good event. So yeah, it's definitely something that uh, I was dreading going into uh, looking at the schedule, but uh, turned out to be a uh, kind of a blessing in disguise that we did so many hours because I think that's sort of why we ended up backstage because he knew like he wasn't going to have to retrain people every night to you know, to do what we were doing as far as the security and things like that. So he's like, Hey, if you can, if you guys can be my people for, for the whole event, we'll, we'll get you backstage and, and have you back there with the, uh, with the artists. We met some really cool people, met, uh, Brett Michaels from poison. He, he performed, uh, either Thursday or Friday night. And then my wife actually is now texting one of his backup singers. Um, they, they became besties while they were there. So, uh, it's, uh, it was pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool experience. So. Yeah, I, I've I once pulled for sixty four hours, but ran out of tissues. So, you know. <laughs> uh, oh sounds like God. you had a good time. So did I. Uh, let's get, <laughs> let's, uh, well, let's 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 dive in there, uh, you know, and, and see uh, see what we can do. So we're we're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into the rookies, obviously the skill players, the ones that matter for fantasy football. Your wide receivers, your running backs, your tight ends, and your quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to touch base right now on the first rounds of the NFL draft itself, uh, the real draft, and look at the different players taken. We're going to go through them in order, starting at the eighth spot of the first round with Drake London, uh, wide receiver out of USC who went to the Atlanta Falcons. And we're going to run through everybody that we can get through uh, with a little back and forth, looking at what they're walking into. You know what the expectation level is. Are they going to be a starter, a role player, or you know somebody who's just there to to learn? But uh, we're, we're going to hit you real hard with with a few of them and and let you know which ones are, are fantasy relevant and use some data and and eye test to to back that up. So, uh, Pat, if you want to get started, I will let you dive in on Drake London, wide receiver, USC, taken in the eight spot by the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, so London was, uh, I believe he was the he was tied for the odds-on favorite to be the first pick or the first wide receiver picked uh, in the NFL draft. Uh, I think everybody kind of, you know, there was there were some mock drafts I saw that had him going as high as like four to the Jets, but then you know the Jets traded and all that, and you know, but uh, so so like you said, he did end up going eighth, and and he wasn't like I said a surprise uh, as the first wide receiver off the board. He's got that big frame that's going to complement Kyle Pitts there in Atlanta, and that gives Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter, who you know we may or may not get into uh, later on in the uh, in the offseason here, or the preseason. I guess we're in the preseason now for for the new year since mini camps um, have started, but it gives them two really big targets uh, to throw to. With Calvin really being suspended for the 2022 season, London will be a necessary piece of this Atlanta passing attack and. I can definitely see him being potentially one of the most productive wide receivers in this class out of necessity, I think, for Atlanta. Uh, there's, a, there's a couple other guys I think have a shot at, at being you know, the top rookie wide receiver fantasy producer, but London's definitely one of those guys who, if, if one of these quarterbacks can, can play well and um, you know, utilize his, his skill set and his big frame, he could, he could be one of the he – could, he could be the number one rookie wide receiver fantasy wise this year yeah I, I mean in the situation he's walking into i agree um i mean you're looking at let's just look at like vacated targets between russell gage who signed with tampa bay and like you said calvin ridley uh who is not playing this year due to suspension 
you're looking at 146 vacated targets. It, you know, I mean, my math isn't perfect, but that's a lot. Uh, well, you did go to Pitt, Catholic. Oh, uh, let's let's not go there. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> leave Will alone, please. Um, so you know, uh, on that level, I, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you're 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 walking into a, a nice. Here you go. Now you did have Matty Ice throwing you the football. Now you're talking about, yes, you're talking about possibly Mariota, who is nowhere near, but has been serviceable, had a mixed bag in Tennessee, had some success, had some non-success, and you know came out in the same draft as Jameis Winston, who's been the better quarterback through his career. You're, you're probably going to see a, a significant bump for a guy like Drake London. Uh, coming off, I believe, a broken ankle out of USC, so you're hoping that his health is 100%. And walking into a team that's just going to shower him with love and want him to be their guy, like the next generation. Kyle Pitts is going to be the alpha. He's that, you know, in two, three, four years tops, he's going to be tight end one based on volume and different things. He's just cut from a different cloth. He's a, he's a totally different athlete altogether. Drake London has the ability to make the big play. He can go up and get it. So you're putting two guys on the field like that. Pitts didn't have any touchdowns last year except for one. He's probably going to get there. Uh, you're also looking at that, where Gage and Ridley alone had six between the two of them. Uh, some of that's going to head Pitts' way first, and and that's half the problem. I mean, Corderell Patterson's involved there as well, who who came out of nowhere to finally become the player everybody hoped he was going to be for the last, like, 50 years of fantasy football. And at the end of the day, yeah, Drake London probably going to be uh, top of the pops. There might be one other guy out there that that's going to hold the wide receiver rookies uh, as far as the best of the bunch. Your next Jamar Chase types, so to speak. The second wide receiver taken was Garrett Wilson by the New York Jets. He was the tenth overall pick, and from you know everything that you're hearing before the draft and draft analysis, you know, experts, he possibly had the most raw talent of any of the wide receivers in this class. His separation numbers in college were up there with some of the best wide receivers in college history. Yeah. He's very similar to someone we know as an Eagles fan, Mr. Devonta Smith. He's not a huge guy, you know, roughly six foot, 180 pounds. Um, but like I said, he gets a ton of separation on every level. Um, which is hard to do in the NFL because you mm -hmm. know, getting separation deep uh, is one thing because you, know, you can do that with raw speed, but getting separation in, in the short field, uh, that's those quick twitch muscles, those, you know, the in and out of breaks type of guy. And I, and Wilson, like I said, he's, he's historically had great numbers when it came to that. I think that according to pro football focus, he was a little worse against press coverage. Again, maybe probably because of his size. Like I said, he's not that big of a guy. That is something that uh, he's going to have to work on when he gets to the NFL. Uh, the, the cornerbacks in the NFL tend to want to be a little bit more physical and uh, are, are generally a little bit bigger uh, than the guys in college. So he's, he's definitely got a little, got some work to do, as, as I guess all rookies do uh, when they come into the NFL. But uh, he definitely adds to a young and talented set of skilled players that the Jets have added in the last two years with, you know, uh, Elijah Moore and Zach Wilson, obviously. And I think they're going to have a, uh, you know, they also traded for some uh, or, or signed some tight ends um, this year, which was a, a sore point for the Jets offense last year as far as production goes. So, you know, they're they're doing 
the Jets are doing what the Eagles are doing. And like I said, as, as Eagles fans here, we know very well that you get a guy that you believe can be your franchise quarterback. You, you need to surround him with talent and you need to do it quickly because those windows for of opportunity for winning close quickly. So I think the Jets did that with, with the Garrett Wilson pick. I think the Jets, looking back on the entire draft, I think the Jets definitely had the best draft of, of any team in the league. So um, hats off to, to Joe Douglas for for uh, crushing the 2022 draft. And uh, Wilson's definitely going to be a guy that, you know, you're going to want to you're going to want to draft in your fantasy football drafts and, and you know, just hope that, uh, you know, Zach Wilson can kind of improve his accuracy from last year because he did struggle a little bit there. But, you know, with two elite wide receivers, hopefully that, that helps the accuracy numbers a little bit. And it's a lot easier to throw to guys that are wide open. This is true. I'm glad you mentioned I was going to say it if you didn't. Yeah, Joe Douglas, speaking of Eagles and the way that they've attacked it, yes, on paper, and paper can be thin, Joe Douglas has done a wonderful job. And, yeah, the Jets <laughs> owned uh, the 2022 draft, uh, to say the least, as far as the talent level they brought in. And they had a few people last year they brought in as well. Elijah Moore was was definitely one of them on that level as far as a skill player goes. Uh, and then Elijah Vera Tucker last year they drafted. So the, the biggest problem for them last year was their offensive line. I mean, there were there were literally almost memes of poor pass protection and Zach Wilson just getting obliterated. Mike White was a thing for like two weeks in fantasy where he just went bananas and everybody's like, oh, my God, he's going to be their guy. And then that didn't quite pan out the way they thought. So you know, everybody was going there. Joe Flacco plays for that team. You know, there, there's all kinds of crazy stuff that goes on there. But, you know, to see Garrett Wilson step into a situation like that and just add to a dynamic, uh, you know, fan favorite of Pat. I know Corey Davis is still there. You have other players, Braxton Berrios, who became, you know, a big PPR. You know, he wasn't a league winner, but he helped you out a lot last year because he was a big underneath guy when when the pressure was coming. He's been relegated to the fourth wide receiver spot. Garrett Wilson's penciled in to basically take part of his role and, and could expand it. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Davis has trouble staying healthy. Elijah Moore started slow and then really turned around and, and looked like he's going to be that next, you know, SEC, the old misconnection with, with the A.J. Browns and stuff like that, that next wide receiver. Garrett Wilson looks like with his pedigree and what he's able to bring to the table, like you said, separation. Uh, we watch the Eagles nonstop. Obviously, we're, we're homers here. And to watch the lack of separation when they can point it out on a telestrator as every wide receiver goes out and nobody can get away from the defensive back, it's going to kill your quarterback. It's going to make you a losing team. So to see Zach Wilson now have a guy that, as long as he can get off the line strength-wise, yes, through press coverage, will be turning around and will be you know a, a probably a solid contributor to that team. Uh, they also picked up a guy that we'll talk about shortly, too, in Brees Hall, who's already penciled in as the RB1 for that team. So, again, they are a very young team. Fantasy-wise, if you're doing Dynasty, which a lot of people do, this is a team that you definitely want to start to pick a lot of people up because the potential is there for down the road in three to five years to basically have like one of your better teams in fantasy based on this team. Does it mean they're going to be winning Super Bowls back-to-back? -back? Who knows? But as far as fantasy goes with skilled players, with the uh, uh, amount of ability that's there, Garrett Wilson's going to be dependent on Zach Wilson. So hopefully that Wilson-to-Wilson -Wilson connection, kind of like, um, what was that, Castaway, where he kept screaming, well, 
Wilson. <laughs> you know, you're hoping that, you know, it's going to be that way where he does find his mark and find his man. Uh, and hopefully that Garrett Wilson is that guy. Uh, so we have touch base on two so far. It was a uh, wide receiver Palooza in the NFL draft. Drake London went eight. Garrett Wilson went 10. And then immediately, I believe there was a trade up mm-hmm. with the Washington Commanders. Oh, that's Good right. job. They changed Nate. Yeah. I heard I, the F come out, but it was so. Yourself. No, it, it, it's honestly, I still want to say the thing that's not politically correct nowadays, but <laughs> that's just how I grew up and I'm not hating on any. It's been 40 some years. Yeah. And it, it. not hating on anybody, but at the end of the day, uh, a guy who I liked a lot um, and have no shares in. I do have a lot of Garrett Wilson, Drake London, uh, and Traylon Burke shares, but. I am not tied to Chris Olave from Ohio State, who came around uh, as the next pick right away, and and I know it's another it's another Ohio State wide receiver. So you know you're literally looking at these guys, and you're going, okay, they're going back to back, and there's still a ton of talent out there. New Orleans traded up and looked at him and said, "Yep, this is our guy." Okay, uh, what did they see in him? They saw a lot. Chris Olave to me was one of those guys where he strikes you as you know they feel like he's going to be a solid player, maybe in a year or two. You know, ran a sub four four forty four point three nine to be exact. You know, everybody worries about the speed. God forbid. They feel like he's maybe your next version of like a scary Terry, like a Terry McLaurin, who again, ironically, they traded with Washington. Is has been stuck on a team with no real hammer at quarterback. You know, you had Ryan Fitzpatrick there for a minute, but there were injuries. Now you have Carson Wentz there. That's one thing for a different time. But that whole level of Ohio State wide receiver, where you watch what they were able to do in bowl games and their quarterback play, and they have guys that are still there that are everybody's frothing at the mouth for next year to be big play wide receivers that are going to come out in fantasy. He definitely seems like he's that guy. Like, He's got top-end speed. Uh, he can make highlight plays. He, he knows how to connect with his quarterback. Uh, you know, if the, if the quarterback's making a rollout, he will try to find space. Again, we talked about separation. And, and he's just got a lot of athleticism. He's got to work on his run blocking a little bit from the sound of things, and that's something that could keep you off the field no matter how good you are. As long as you bust your butt uh, and show that, no matter how poor you could be at other things or struggling – uh, you know, if you get your plays done, you're good. Uh, I think he's got potential. Now, uh, you're going to get Jameis Winston coming back off a bad wheel. As far as right now, he's your quarterback, un- unless any crazy trades go down during training camps and stuff like that. And you have a lot, you got a lot of moving parts down there. You got the Kamara suspension that people think is going to happen. Michael Thomas, who's still not right, whether it's mentally and or physically, there's a lot going on there. And they just got Jarvis Landry, who would be a great guy to mentor him as far as showing him like the ropes as far as being a pro. He might be walking into the perfect situation. He's got that outside dark horse potential to be maybe one of these guys that isn't the best this year, but ends up being the best out of the whole class. We'll see. Obviously, there's plenty of time to go. But going to New Orleans, Chris Olave is definitely a guy that if he's on your radar, if he's there, don't even hesitate. I would take him in a heartbeat and have him on my team. I don't have him yet because I've taken people higher. Uh, but I, I feel like he is definitely a, a prospect out of this draft that 
is going to be underrated now. And then maybe in three years, people are going to go, wow, this guy is really the real deal. Um, again, he's not the biggest wide receiver in the world, but if he makes the plays and, and gets it done on the field, that's all you need. Yeah, like you said, second second of two back-to-back Ohio State wide receivers to go. So, And it was, you know, that makes sense because Ohio State had one of the best uh, offenses in, in college football this past year. So uh, Olave was actually, you know, rumored to possibly – come out last year as a junior and be a first round pick. Uh, I think, you know, he decided to, to go back and play again with the, the idea that maybe Ohio state could potentially win a national championship. Um, and then, you know, as long as he didn't get hurt, wouldn't, wouldn't hurt, could, could probably only help his draft capital, you know, for him to be taken as the second Ohio state wide receiver was not, I guess not shocking, but definitely, uh, you it's probably not something that he thought was going to happen when he went back, but he he's a, again just like Garrett Wilson. He's a great route runner. I think uh, whoever the wide receiver coach is down there at Ohio State is uh, the guy must be a superstar because, like you said, they they have more talent coming out in the twenty twenty three draft, and and uh, that kid might be the best wide receiver out of all three of them, honestly. But he's no, he's he's and incredible. Marvin Harrison's kid, who's who looks yeah. like he's. <laughs> going to be a chip off the old block too, so that's not. That, they have a nice problem, yeah. <laughs> to say yeah, the least in Ohio exactly. State. Uh, as far as his, as far as Olave's, you know, NFL prospects moving forward, if Michael Thomas is healthy and and right and comes back and and can be semi Michael Thomas that we knew from a few years ago, Olave should probably hop right into that number three role. Um, he could potentially be, you know, the number two wide receiver on the outside, and they move Landry to the slot, which I, I think is probably a better way to go, personally, because I think Landry, his skill set sort of lends to being a slot receiver. Um, if that's the case, I think Alave is being underdrafted. Uh, if, however, he ends up not playing a full time role, which is what scares me away from drafting him in a lot of, you know, these. You know, I'm doing a lot of mock drafts and stuff like that, getting prepared for the season. And I, like you said, I I hardly ever get Olave because where he's going, I just like a lot of other players so much more. So the the potential that he could be a part time player does scare me a little bit off of taking him in redraft leagues. Uh, that that could potentially be uh, you know a, a mistake on my part. But uh, like I said, at the same time, it's also you know I think if, if if he falls in a draft to the point where I feel like, you know, maybe he's going to be my fourth wide receiver that I'm taking in, in that draft. I'm comfortable with that, but I'm not, I'm not comfortable taking him as a, as a flex option right out of the gate. Number one, because he's a rookie and, and it's kind of, you know, the, the rookie trajectory tends to start slow and, you know, rookies tend to get better. Like Elijah Moore did last year for, for the jets. They tend to get better as the season goes on. So, uh, I have never been really bullish on drafting rookie wide receivers in redraft leagues, but in dynasty, you know, Olave is super talented and I think has the the potential to, you know, again, he, he's, he's good enough to be the best wide receiver, have the best career of any of these um, first round or, or any of these wide receivers in this entire draft. So he's, he's a guy that if you can get your hands on him in dynasty leagues, I would absolutely uh, say go ahead and and do that. Try to draft him or trade for him. Uh, as far as redraft goes, uh, like I said, I'm a little hesitant for this year alone. But um, 
you know, moving forward. I think he's got all the tools to be a, an outstanding pro wide receiver. The fourth wide receiver off the board was Jamison Williams to Detroit. They traded up to get him at 12. Another former Buckeye here didn't didn't play for Ohio State last year, but but did uh, did transfer from Ohio State. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my God. When yeah, when when Jamison Williams can't get on the field because your other wide receivers are that good, that's like you said, that's a good problem to have. Unfortunately for him, uh, he did have to transfer to Alabama to get some playing time. But you know, you got to do what you got to do, and and it worked out for him because, like I said, you know, they they the Lions traded up to get him. They really wanted him. And I think it, he kind of fell to the the right spot because Detroit isn't isn't they're not ready to win now. And and with Williams coming off of his ACL injury, he's probably not going to be ready to play you know any significant role early in the season. So he has time to sort of recover, not be rushed, you know, not be dependent on early, and really take his time to get back from that injury. And and again, before he got injured, he was. A lot of people thought he was the number one draft pick this year. They thought he was going to, you know, he was going to, he was probably the most productive wide receiver uh, in all of college football. He just, you know, like I said, unfortunately had uh, an ACL injury at the worst possible time. So, you know, I had mentioned on one of our earlier podcasts that had he not gotten injured in that uh, national championship game, I think there's a good shot that that Alabama could have won that game. Um, you could definitely tell that the dynamic change with him off of the field. And that's the kind of guy that he is. He's a, he's a game changer when he's on the field. So uh, Detroit, you know, doing what they did and, and trading up to get him was a, a smart move on their part. And uh, I think Williams is again, not a guy that I'm targeting in redraft right now. However, uh, this is something that, you know, we've talked about on previous podcasts and I just want to hit here just to kind of give our listeners a, uh, you know, I like to, I don't want to say cheat the system. I, I play within the rules, but <laughs> you know, you if you're if you're not using your league's settings to your advantage, then you are. I believe you're making a mistake. I have been taking him in some mock drafts if I can get him again as my fourth or fifth wide receiver, and with with the you know the intent of if this was a real, I I draft every mock draft like it's a real draft, like I'm going to actually have to you know keep this team and, and play with these guys. And I and I've been getting a decent amount of shares of Williams and a guy and DeAndre Hopkins, guys who we know are probably not. Well, DeAndre Hopkins isn't isn't probable. That's he's definitely not playing for six games. But Williams could be. A, he he could probably start to. He'll probably start the season on the pup list and and miss the first six weeks as well. But you can draft these guys, and then as soon as your uh, draft is over, and you can start editing your your roster. These guys may be available to put into your IR slot right away, which is great because you can just stash them there. And then once your free agency period opens in your league, you just go ahead and, and pick somebody else up at the end of your bench. Maybe a guy that you would have drafted in the last you know few rounds of your draft that went undrafted. And, and now you, you can go pick that guy up and, and make a roster spot while still keeping a really talented player on your team. So, that's something that I like to do with with Williams. If again, if that option is available, if he gets if he starts the season on the pup list, uh, he should be eligible for your IR spot. So that's uh, a, a little a little tip, a little trick that you can use to add an extra, basically add an extra player to your roster. Well, you don't want to give away the farm right now, Pat. But uh, that's what we know, do here, man. We're, yeah, here we're giving you all the tips, tricks of the trade. 
Yeah, uh, obviously with fantasy football, that's one thing is sounds negative, but uh, we've all been there. You need to be able to manipulate, and that's not a negative, that's a positive, <laughs> things in your favor. Before we just got on, I had a, a plan in place for our home league that we do every year. Right now, I am without a pick until the ninth round. I have a plan. I hope that plan works. I think it will. And if it doesn't, there's always next year. But you have to go with what you got and and do your thing. Yes, Jamison Williams, the irony that, yes, he transferred from Ohio State to Bama and was, you know, pound for pound the darling wide receiver in college football on the team that basically, you know, everybody thinks could beat a bro team in Alabama. And to see him go down the way he did and then that title game just slip away. And, and Georgia, yeah, DJ. Georgia was the better team. All right. Yes, it, it, he's got the potential. Um, they're gonna, they're not going to rush him back. You have Amon Ross St. Brown right now who is, you know, the, the guy, so to speak, in, in a lot of circles. But, oh, wait, now everybody backed off because now they're in the offseason. They saw they got drafted with uh, Jamison Williams, and you're not sure what to do and, and all this stuff. At the end of the day, he's a guy you could take, and like Pat said, you could stash him. You could put him into the IR slot and just sit there and wait and wait and wait. And then when it's time, activate him. And people are like, oh, man, I forgot he was there. You know, a lot of people are out on him. He has slid down draft boards. You know, un unfortunately, I, I mean, there's no no getting around it. I mean, you know, where he should have been basically in that London, Traylon Burks level of like a one to three as far as like third round pick. Uh, a lot of times right now, he's going like in the sixth round. So if you can get him there before you dive into somebody else, and again, Alave is another guy who slid down. We just talked about him. If you want to take the leap, you have the ability to have him uh, put you in a good spot. And and that's a team quietly that is building something in Detroit. Yeah, they lost a lot of games last year, but who cares fantasy football-wise if you get – Amon Ra St. Brown and you get Jamison Williams on the same team, even with a mannequin throwing them the football, it doesn't matter because they'll move on from Jared Goff. And we talked about this, I think, before. The situation with them, they're they're probably a year away from maybe looking at a good quarterback. And there's a couple coming out or making a move and getting out from under Goff. Or or maybe Goff gets it right and has enough around him. Jamison Williams is a guy you definitely would want to roster. And and I think you can steal him. He's going to slide in a lot of drafts. If it's a redraft, he's going to fall big time unless somebody's a shark for the sake of a year or two, unless there's injury concerns beyond this year. Uh, you got nothing to lose. I, I think he's a guy you got to go with. All right, the next guy off the board was Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. He went to the Washington Commanders at 16. This was actually a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I didn't think Dotson would go this high. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. yeah, yeah. he was probably the, the surprise pick. He's a solid wide receiver at Penn State, uh, but he didn't really have the track record of success that some of these other guys had. His only real productive year was last year, and I still have a little bit of a concern that uh, his size may limit his potential upside. He's only 5'11", uh, roughly 180 pounds. There's a ton of guys this size in the NFL. You have to have a real elite route running ability or really great hands uh, <laughs> in, in order to ascend to the next level to be one of those top tier 
wide receivers in the NFL when you're not, you know, big like Drake London or, or Traylon Burks, who we're going to talk about. But the other thing that scares me a little bit about Dotson, at least this year, is, you know, we didn't see Curtis Samuel at all last year in Washington. He basically, I mean, he didn't miss the entire season, but he might as well have because he just, I think he only played four games. And I think in a couple of those games, he didn't even play, you know, 50% of snaps. So his uh, groin injury really limited him last year, but he was, a, I mean, if you remember him, you know, when he was in Carolina, he was a, like a Swiss army knife there. He was, he was sort of like a, a Debo Samuel type. He took a, a bunch of handoffs. He, you know, caught the short passes and, and got a lot of yards after the catch. And, and he's a, he's still a talented wide receiver. I think people forget they, you know, they think, Washington wide receiver and Terry McLaurinovis is the first guy that pops into your head, but Curtis Samuel still is a really talented guy. And I think that if he can get back and be a hundred percent healthy this year, and that pushes dots into this sort of world where he's not needed this year, that doesn't necessarily mean that his talent won't win out and he won't be a, you know, a great asset for, for fantasy managers. But again, I think that, you know, with these rookie wide receivers, you're looking more for guys who almost are a necessity to, to play right away rather than these guys like Jameson Williams and, and Jahan Dotson and, and potentially Chris Olave, where they're not going to be the best wide receiver. They're not the best wide receiver on their offense, at least not coming into camp. So, you know, he is a little bit scary. He's going a, a lot later in, in startup drafts and in redraft. But uh, again, he's a guy that I'm not getting a lot of shares of. Basically, because I just don't trust his role in the offense this year. Dynasty, sure. And if you want to take a shot, if you think he's got talent, uh, which he does, um, if you think he's he's going to have you know a good career, he may. But for me personally, in redraft, it's just he's too he's too rich for my blood in redraft where he's where he's going right now, which is usually around the um, seventh or eighth round and. There's so many other good wide receivers that you can get in that uh, in that range that have a guaranteed role on their offense that I really haven't been uh, getting a whole lot of of dots in, in in redraft mocks so far this year. I mean, I have my personal beliefs in fantasy, which I know a lot of people think I'm an idiot, and yeah, you're right. I'll never take. <laughs> uh, it, it's just the way I roll. I'll never take a giant, a cowboy, or a Washington commander football team what other because i don't want to root against the eagles twice a year it's just how i've been um i know i'm wrong there's a lot of good players out there on all those rosters fantasy relevant or not and um yeah there's that at the end of the day yeah it it was like one of the more mind-boggling things you watch they traded back and thought they were gonna like sleep on him he's got talent um, and like you said, it's it's not a deep pool of, you know, year after year, four or five years of, <clears throat> you know, college production at, at Penn State. Penn State's quietly got a, a good program. They're just not a great program, and they'll never get over the hump with that coach. But whatever. Let's just sign them to a career deal. But, you know, uh, looking at like NFL.com, they, they compare them to Emmanuel Sanders. If you could be that good, then you got a shot to be a good pro. And a, and a solid fantasy pro, you know, give, give like nice, like five, six year window, something like that. 
that would be awesome. The only other thing working in his favor is that I think Terry McLaurin is backing out of camp and wants a new contract and things like that. So he could quickly be thrust into borderline uh, wide receiver one territory if there was like a trade and a, and a you know, he's going to sit out. Like you said, Curtis Samuel's there. Yes. Uh, suddenly he becomes the de facto two. Like right now, if you look at their depth chart, McLaurin and Dotson are literally your two wideouts. Samuel's the slot. Mm -hmm. If if you lose McLaurin, it's going to turn into well, he's the guy. You mm -hmm. got obviously you got Gibson, McKissick, that whole mess. Uh, you know, that running back that is going to be a a Ron Rivera revisionist Carolina history thing with with pass catching and and all that crap. You got Logan Thomas coming off a pretty tough injury uh, at tight end, so there's not a lot of worry maybe right there on the tight end level. So at the end of the day, he has the potential to be a guy more than we even think. But you still look at that team and you say, well, it's Washington. And, you know, again, you got to – I feel you do have an upgrade a quarter, a true quarterback with Wentz who quietly had a decent season with Indianapolis last year. It just didn't work out with that organization. They did not make the playoffs, but I, I still feel that wasn't his fault more. It was – the coaching and, and the play calling and, and different things like that. Uh, even if it fell back to Taylor Heineke, uh, who's showing you some, some good games and some bad games. And he's not probably a true NFL starter on that level. They did draft Sam Howell, who I've been very high on out of North Carolina, uh, to be maybe an heir apparent in a year or two, uh, give him some NFL grooming. Jahan Dotson has the potential. He could be that guy that comes out of nowhere, but he's definitely not a guy that you want to, like you said, that like you, you don't want to like go too high or, or deep on him. There's guys that were picked at the end of the second round, mid second round, that were picked ahead of him because a lot of people are, are light on him. Now, if he falls to you and he's just sitting there and you're like, I don't know who to pick, he's a guy where you say, well, What the hell? I'm taking him. Um, you're not going to go wrong by taking him, but just God forbid, don't overdraft him. Don't think you're outsmarting your, your league by taking him above a sky more or something like that. Like don't, don't go there. But if you're getting him, you know, if you're getting him around the, the level of a, like a David Bell, John Matici, the third type of thing. And he's still sitting out there. Yeah. He's the guy you have to take because he's got the best potential. And if McLaurin sits out, uh, he, he, he could turn into that guy just by default. The next uh, wide receiver off the board was Traylon Burks at 18 to the, Tennessee Titans. Burks, to me, was probably the most exciting receiver in this draft. I know that there was a lot of talk about him potentially being the best receiver in this draft overall uh, and potentially having, you know, maybe the best career uh, of all the guys drafted. Going to Tennessee, hmm, you know, maybe not necessarily the, the, the best option as far as, you know, having a, a, a quarterback there that you're going to be able to form a long-term relationship with. But he's big, uh, he's fast, he has good hands, and he is used to being the focal point of an offense. Uh, he reminds me a lot of A.J. Brown, um, strangely enough, uh, the guy they gave up to get him. But he is stepping right into, you know, we talked about this earlier, with Dotson and, and Alave and stuff like that, where they're not stepping into a number one or the opportunity for a number one wide receiver role. Of course, 
any of those guys could win that role in camp. But if in Tennessee, it's almost Burks' job to lose as the number one wide receiver. You're looking at guys like Nick Westbrook, Akini, and now Robert Woods is there, obviously, but he's coming off of an injury. So, you know, could Woods push to be the number one wide receiver there? Yeah, absolutely. But you don't give up A.J. Brown to draft a guy like Traylon Burks if you don't believe that he is uh, NFL quality starter material right away. So along with Drake London, I think that Traylon Burks is probably the other guy that I think could be the best rookie wide receiver fantasy producing option this year. I think he's just, you know, even though he's stepping into an, uh, an offense that's mostly run heavy with Derrick Henry, I feel like the Titans know that they have to throw the ball more. They can't. And you saw it last year, you know, Henry missed the second half of the season with that, that foot injury because you just can't give the, you can't give somebody the ball, you know, 380 plus times a season, every season and expect his body to hold up. Even a guy like Derrick Henry. So if Tennessee wants to become a more complete team, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to throw the ball a little bit more and, I think that Burks has a very good shot to, you know, be the the number one, like I said, the number one rookie fantasy wide receiver. Uh yes. This is where I I I, I totally kind of agree. He's a guy that I thought was gonna slip in the draft and, and a team like the Cowboys would take him and he would just turn out to be that that guy. I I know there's some Camp concerns that he has asthma and, oh, you know, everybody's scared and backing off and all that stuff. But like you just said, they they made the trade with, ironically, um, you know, our, our team here, the Philadelphia Eagles, for uh, A.J. Brown to offload him. Didn't want to deal with having to resign a guy versus having a four to five year contract in a rookie wide receiver that they felt maybe would be even better than A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown, who had 105 targets last year, five touchdowns, 13.8 yards per reception, and has been a pretty solid pro, um, to say the least. His catch percentage is a little little off, so, you know, he's more of a you know, a big play guy, you know, he actually had his career low out of his first three years in uh, touchdown reception. So a little regression, he went from eight to 11 to five. He was a pro bowler in 2020, so played 13 games. So he missed a couple and was just a little bit under. Uh, he had recorded two 1000 yard his first two years. So you were sliding into 2021 expecting the best. I was low on him going into 2021, but the injuries kind of played a little bit into it and and some of the quarterback play too. You know, I mean, you do have Tannehill down there, uh, but waiting in the wings is uh, Malik Willis, possibly sooner than later. We'll see how that organization decides to take things. I love me some Traylon Burks. I got him so far everywhere I can get him. Pat, you said it. He, he's probably the most pedigreed wide receiver out of them all. And just when it comes to doing the job, you know, you're you're catching the football, you're making plays, you're you're getting touchdowns. He had been one of the best in college football. Now he makes his way to a team that was willing to dump their franchise wide receiver to pick this guy up. And you know, they in their mind, they they kind of. 
kind of made a steal. Uh, and I get that, um, you know, some people feel he's a little more boomer bust. But at the same time, if you're you're compared to somebody like an A.J. Brown, uh, who had been one of the more dominant wide receivers that we saw both in fantasy and reality for, for a long time. You know, that's there. And I think that that's something that, that can't be ignored. His biggest thing is, you know, just caring, getting involved, making sure that he's not getting overplayed based on his size or anything like that. But for what he gives you overall, pound for pound, he's probably the best wide receiver in this draft. It's just he didn't test out as that guy, and that's what's going to kill you. He didn't have the blazing speed and stuff. As long as he has good quarterback play, uh, Traylon Burks, yeah, he could be the best guy out of this whole draft. He was the other guy I felt. Uh, obviously, Drake London is the guy that everybody is their darling, but uh, there's a reason that right now in drafts when it comes to the wide receiver position and overall, you have Brees Hall, you have Drake London, and third is Traylon Burks. Uh, I would go get him in a heartbeat, trade up for him to get him on your roster, especially in Dynasty. All right, so the last guy we're going to talk about in the first round, as far as fantasy skill position players, was Kenny Pickett. He was picked by the Steelers with pick number 20 in the first round. Uh, you and I both had him uh, in our mock draft, had him going to the Steelers at 20. So I uh, was one of the few that, that I got right. Uh, one of the uh, uh, more than a few that you got right. But uh, yeah. death taxes and Pickett to the Steelers. That was <laughs> <laughs> yes. A stone cold mortar lock. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think. Uh, I think every everybody sort of saw that coming. It wasn't really a surprise. Uh, and at last, they did take Pickett uh, at number 20. Now, you know, it's just a wait and see. Wait until training camp, you know, gets underway and, and see if Pickett can beat out Mitch Trubisky for that starting job. If he does and, and Pickett becomes the starter week one, he's, he's an interesting option for fantasy. I don't think he's somebody that I'm taking as my fantasy starter. But... If, if we get word that, that Pickett is going to be the guy that he's, he's got the job, he's going to be the starter, he, he might be a guy that I throw on, you know, with, you know, a late pick just to, you know, if, if you do, you know, one of the strategies that I like to take is I, I like to draft my quarterbacks late. I feel like you can get a lot of, you know, really good quarterbacks in fantasy still, you know, in the eighth, ninth round of drafts. But I do generally like to take a second quarterback just in case that guy doesn't produce the, the way that you thought or, or, you know, something happens, you know, where the reason he fell to the ninth round or whatever ends up being because he isn't producing. Or if Kenny Pickett just happens to, you know, be really good uh, as a fantasy option, uh, you know, he does have really good pieces around him. Deontay Johnson was a top 10 wide receiver uh, in points per game last year. He still has Chase Claypool there who... Again, even though he didn't really do as well as he did in his rookie year uh, last year, he's still a really talented guy. He's big. He's fast. A lot of people can comparing him to to Calvin Johnson as far as his his physical attributes. So Pickett could, you know, if he's as good as you know the Steelers, I guess believe he is. He could step right into uh, you know a, a pretty good offense. Now, obviously, they would need the offensive line to be a little bit better. I think. I think only the Jets' offensive line was worse than the Steelers uh, as far as pass blocking grade last year. So they need to pick that up. But I think if they do, the Steelers could have a really sneaky good offense this year. And Pickett could be a guy who surprisingly winds up like, you know, the QB 15 on the season and, and has a couple of weeks where he, he, he could, you know, potentially get into that top 10, top five uh, QB range with, with the, the weapons that he has there. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
again, we, we saw it, everybody in the universe saw the no-brainer that was, okay, last time the Steelers had the chance to draft the Pittsburgh quarterback out of college that was the guy, Dan Marino, not comparing them, just saying in general that this time around, they didn't do it last time. This time around, they said, you know what, we're doing it. And again, you're not just taking Joe Schmo. Kenny Pickett, ironically, had a little bit of a Temple uh, University minute and then had moved away after after the coach left to go take over the Carolina Panthers in Matt Rule. Uh, he moves out to Pittsburgh and becomes one of the most decorated college quarterbacks out of that university. He broke a lot of Dan Marino's records out there. I mean, that that that's a scary thought. And it was a different game back then, obviously. But that's like the first thing that people put up there. You know, everybody broke Dan Marino's records. Oh, okay. So he has to be the best. He's walking into a good situation, yes. Uh, Mitch Trubisky is he, – he's not journeyman status. He had a good couple years. He was overdrafted when they took him. But he had a year behind Josh Allen on a very competent offense in Buffalo. It'll be interesting to see what he brings to the table. He could turn out to be like, hey, this is the guy we thought he was, or let's get Pickett in there. Uh, it could happen during training camp. You're right. It could happen – uh, you know, two, three weeks into the regular season when things get real, real quick. He seems very efficient. I know people made fun of his, oh, he's got small hands. Like, stop. Yeah, who who cares? You know, you, you, they go back and then they talk, well, all these, all these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and, yada, you know, all these different players had small hands. It, I, I don't care how big or small your hands are, but if you're a good quarterback, that's what matters. And he does seem like he has that. He has the ability to – scramble get out of the pocket he's not a traditional pocket passer there's some highlights of him making some plays downfield as he you know was able to do his thing some comparisons have him compared to Andy Dalton in his prime years according to NFL.com's uh you know comparison and people are gonna go yeah whatever Andy Dalton was a top 10 quarterback for a long time in fantasy football and a lot of people brushed him off and never had him in smaller leagues if you're in a super flex league, he was he was probably a guy that won your league for you as your second. He's going to have some tools to play with, Pat. You you talked about it, and and it's it's true. Um, you have Deontay Johnson. He of a hundred and sixty nine targets last year for over a thousand yards. You also had Chase Claypool, who just proclaimed himself a top three wide receiver in the league, over a hundred targets as well. And yes, Najee Harris as a rookie who had one of the best rookie seasons the running backs had in a while at almost 100 targets himself. So, yeah, you had you had Ben Roethlisberger on his last legs and and Big Ben retired. Pat Fryermuth, who's going to end up being one of your top three tight ends in the NFL in the next three years, he's also on that roster. A couple of the younger players dipped out, uh, you know, and and took off for bigger and better things. Uh, he's got a wild card there too in Miles Boykin, who was a pretty good wide receiver in college, never quite blossomed with Baltimore, and now he's on that roster. And George Pickens and Calvin Austin the third, they have some things happening on that team that like, – Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. They're a good team. Even when they're bad, they're good, and when they're good, they're great. To put him on that roster right now, even as a backup with the potential to become the starter this year or in a year or two, Kenny Pickett's a guy you want to definitely. Uh, Dynasty is a no-brainer. A super flex dynasty, like, what are you waiting for? Get him on your roster, Kenny Pickett. He has the potential to be a top-10 quarterback in the next two to three years. 
possibly even this year based on the skill players around him and if they just let him loose, which would be interesting. Mike Tomlin doesn't call plays. He just keeps people coached. But what they have on that roster and what they have on that team uh, puts him in a pretty good spot, and I think he's a guy you need to get. And don't worry about the size of his hands. It doesn't matter, except for the ladies. I was going to say that small hands only makes the football look bigger. So that's, you know, everybody knows that. What are you implying, Pat? I'm, I'm just saying that's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, I know. You had a long weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that, that rounds out the first round for us. We obviously, as we always do, plan to hit the first and second round. But we like to talk, you know, which is why we do a podcast, strangely enough. And, uh, you know, this, this took a lot longer to get through the first round. Um, but hopefully, the, you know, the extra time that we took on each player uh, helps you all get a, a better idea of, you know, where they truly sit as far as, you know, their value in fantasy, whether it be in redraft or, you know, we hit on some, some dynasty uh, values as well. You know, we want to make sure that we're giving these guys ample time because if you are doing a rookie dynasty, you know, draft uh, any time after, obviously, the initial startup draft, it's all rookies. You want to make sure those those draft picks are very valuable. And, you know, like you said, you know, we talked about Traylon Burks. He was, you know, the what the sixth wide receiver taken in the actual NFL draft. But for fantasy, he's probably the second wide receiver, or maybe the first wide receiver that you want to take uh, in your rookie draft. So you know, it's it's not always um, you know the the way that these NFL GMs see things that you know is not the same way that fantasy GMs should see these players. So you know, like I said, hopefully we gave you guys some information that you can can take home. We're not we're not telling you the decisions to make. Obviously that's, that's not what we're here to do. We just, we're here to give you a, a information, give you our take on, you know, what that information means and uh, hopefully help you make a better decision with, with your upcoming drafts. Yeah. Like you said, it's a podcast. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going into year two of this experiment. We got a website. We're, we're trying to get we all do. professional. Yeah. We're trying to get all professional type. What's the, is there a, is there an address and a link? Yes. I'm going to put the link in the, um, I'm going to put the link in the, in the bio for all of our uh, episodes from here on. So if you want to check out our website, just click on the, um, the bio to the episode, to the, you know, the information at the bottom, there'll be a link there. The website, if you want to go to it is www the nine route ffb.com just like our email address which is at gmail but this is uh, the nine route ffb.com uh, we have our uh, links to our episodes for youtube uh, links for the episodes on google podcasts on apple you know all the all the places where you can listen to us and uh you know we're, we're going to start you know trying to build that website and and get some we've got an our first article up already um, written by yours truly. I know Scott, you're you're working on um, a, a, a series, I guess, of articles that we, we spoke about earlier. We we won't uh, we won't divulge too much about that right now, but it sounds interesting, and I'm I'm, I'm definitely interested in in uh, reading some of your your articles that we're going to be putting up on the website. Yeah, um, this is exciting. We are moving into the next level to try to keep up with everybody. We're a little bit older doing this. Um, we're in our 40s. We're not as hip as the kids. And my God, the you know the high school crowd. We had Hutchinson Brown on there, uh, friend of the show, and you know the kids just amazing. And and to be able to 
not to say keep up with the technology. We're not that old, but at the same time, we are, um, you know, we're, we're trying to make it work and get to a level where we're happy. We enjoy this right now and we enjoy everybody listening and supporting our show and what we're doing. I, again, we just have a lot of fun doing it. And if you like, it's great. And if you don't, uh, you know, keep swinging. Uh, we, we, we will try to get you all the information you need. Some stat based, some eye tests, some gut, uh, some legit, some, you know, hey, don't agree with us. That's fine. But at the end of the day, we just have a lot of fun doing it. And we hope you enjoy what we're doing here, too. Uh, we're going to come back at you with round two of the skill players and positions that affect your fantasy team coming up shortly. And then we'll cut it at that. And by that point, we'll be into training camps. And God forbid, I hate to say it, injuries are going to happen. That's going to make a lot of rosters change and a lot of depth charts move all over the place. And suddenly, players that were non-significant will become uh, legit or at least on the radar. And people are going to overdraft and there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on. So we're, we're just, we're, we're like Christmas Eve right now. So we're getting ready for the good times two and a half months from now to be almost game time and, and we'll be licking our chops. So we enjoy everybody and, and we love you and we, we look forward to this season. Yeah. And one, one quick thing before we sign off, we do have our first contest coming up shortly. We're still working on uh, sort of the criteria for that, but uh, we do have a signed Darius Slay jersey to give away. Um, you know, us being Eagles fans, of course, the first thing we give away has to be some Eagles gear. But uh, we have a, a, a Darius Lay, like I said, signed jersey. And uh, we're going to give that away. We're still trying to figure out how we're going to do that and, and, you know, what we're going to, you know, make us the criteria for, for entering that. But uh, probably by the next time we record, we should have something nailed down as far as how you can enter to win that. So keep listening to us. Stay tuned for, for the contest. And. Until next time, folks, we will uh, we'll talk to you later. Peace.